But I will tell you what, if you do know your scriptures well, um, I remember I got put in a threesome with a, with two zone leaders for about a week. One of them was going AP, and it was all hush-hush, which I never understand why everything has to be hush-hush in the church, but whatever. And um, I can remember these two zone leaders were outstanding missionaries. And um, I remember going to a door, and a woman wanted to kind of bash a little bit, but my my companion um, did it in a non-confrontational way, and I remember looking at him and going, dang, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> and so I, I became a lot less confrontational and, and more explanatory, and it was amazing because that does work well. Um, at first, I just wanted to argue, and you know, arguing doesn't change anybody's hearts, but if you do it in, in an explanatory way, I was just amazed because you could just pull those scriptures out and it was it was it was really useful actually. A message to people listening to this in the future. You won't care that this episode was published a little later in the day. But to everyone who's been checking their newsfeed and saying, you know what, there should be an episode there by now, I want you to know, first of all, I am sorry that I did not get it done sooner. And second of all, I want you to know that it isn't from me not working on the cultural hall this week. It's just working on other things that we do here in the cultural hall. Hey, it's me, Richie. Uh, Richie T, if you want to get specific. Uh, If this is your first episode in the cultural hall, I just encourage you to go back. There are now 509 previous episodes before this one. And uh, we talk about all sorts of things. I've been reminiscing, actually, because what I was working on this week was making the old archived... Uh, episodes available for those who are Patreon Saints of the Cultural Hall. You can go to patreon.com forward slash the cultural hall. And uh, if you, uh, you know, you do a little thing in there, you pay a little money, you can have really easy access to all of our old episodes. And I was looking like when we talked to uh, the missionary who baptized Jody Arias, uh, the woman down in Arizona who killed her boyfriend, who was a member of the church. Uh, that was an interesting one. We talked uh, with someone who was at the Boston Marathon bombings uh, almost a decade ago now. That's how long we've been around. And so it's been super fun for me to see some of these old episodes. Um, and and now they're available. Patreon.com forward slash The Cultural Hall. Uh, a huge shout out to Patreon St. Joy Hollinghaus. Uh, she has been helping out and uh, and making this all possible and making it move super quick. If you have been holding out on being a Patreon saint of the Cultural Hall, you really should do it. Uh, at the end of the month, we're going to let the uh, yearly subscription go away for a while. So hopefully that will motivate you to become a Patreon saint. Great and more things coming, like this episode. There's no shade thrown on Rick Bennett. Uh, We talked a little while ago, and now I'm taking the opportunity to share this. Uh, Rick is not only a great podcaster, uh, a great friend now because of this interview, and uh, encourage if you like really deep dives on uh, different things like he goes as far as like 13 episodes on some of uh, the subject matters that he does uh, it's over at gospel tangents you'll find all about his podcast as we talk with rick bennett in this episode of the cultural hall Jesus land if they live righteously. 
It's time for another episode of the Cultural Hall, and I'm able to sit down with Rick Bennett. Now, you hear that name, and here was the deal. I was talking with my buddy Kurt Frankham over at Leading Saints. He said, have you ever had Rick Bennett on the show before? And I said, no, I haven't. But Rick Bennett is one of those names that I'm like, I feel like I know 10 Rick Bennetts, right? Like it's a common enough <laughs> of a name or like, um, you know, like I could say out loud, hey, you know Rick Bennett? And I, I could affirmatively say yes knowing that somewhere in the culmination of people that I know, there has been a Rick Bennett. Uh, but this particular Rick Bennett, uh, he is the host of the Gospel Tangents podcast. So I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that. He's a church history nerd, so we'll try and avoid getting really deep into that stuff, he and I. But I also want to get a chance to get to know him. Welcome to the Cultural Hall, Rick. Glad to be on the show. This is great. And now, I, by the way, I'm the second Rick Bennett in my family, I should so. Are, I am so, not unique. That's are, you, sure. are you a junior? Is that how that works? I am a junior. Yep, that's right. So is there uh, the so, third? And by the way, there's a BYU professor named Richard E. Bennett. And so uh, I call him my uh, much shorter twin. He's a lot shorter than I am. So he's from Canada, though. I'm My dad's from New Jersey. So anyway. Born in the <laughs> USA. That's what you are. Now, let me ask you this. That's is right. Is the Richard E. Bennett at BYU, is he a history or religion professor? Does it get cr- crowded or complicated as far as that goes? Oh, yes. He, he's actually, I've interviewed him on my podcast, believe it or not. He's a big time church history nerd like me. So yeah. even more of a history nerd than me, probably. I hope that that episode was called Richard E. Bennett Squared. If it wasn't, you, <laughs> missed, you missed a great opportunity on that. I need to have you help me title my stuff. <laughs> Listen, you can call me anytime. People know that. Now, uh, let, let's, get, let's get to you. You said Jersey born. So uh, how did we get from New Jersey to here? So, well, you're talking about my dad. So my dad uh, grew up in New Jersey, non-Mormon, um, really rough life, joined the Air Force at 17, forged his dad's signature to get in, met a Hawaiian girl in South Dakota, believe it or not. Oh, that's how you do she it. Introduced, yeah. She introduced him to the church. And then uh, after he got out of the Air Force, they said, well, where do you want to live? And he said, well, not that I'm a Mormon, I'll, I'll live in Utah. And so that's where he met my mom. And and uh, that's how he got to Utah. So I grew up in mostly in Utah. I lived about four years in New Hampshire. My dad took a job back uh, back east, and so I got to see the East Coast a little bit, and um, and then South Carolina on my mission. So I've been kind of on both coasts, but uh, mostly mostly Utah. So it, it's an interesting road uh, for your dad. Let's let's get into that a little bit more as to much as you know about it. Uh, he meets a girl, in, and I'm assuming is that is that your mom? In South Dakota? No, that yeah. was not my mom. Oh, that was just, so he meets a girl that he sort of likes and then joins the church. Was it a slow so road? I don't, yeah, I don't know a lot about that story. It sounded like they wanted to get married and it didn't work out for some reason. I I, I don't know. So I could, I could have been half Hawaiian, I guess, but. Uh. <laughs> I would, I, if you want to know, honestly, I was trying to figure it out for people that are watching this, uh, that are Patreon subscribers are able to see the video of this. And I'm looking at you and I was trying to find like Hawaiian features within you. And then I was, oh. and then I was like, no, it must not have been uh, who ended up being no. his mom. So how did. Yeah, so, my mom's from Idaho. Okay. Okay. So he came to Utah and then met your mom. How, what, what is that like? Oh, wow. That was, you know, it's funny because I dated my wife for over a year and uh, my dad was married within three months <laughs> of meeting my mom. So they, he was much faster mover than me. Um, but they uh, they met at a church dance. And in fact, he was interested in some other girl. And then anyway, I, I don't really know how it worked out, but it, it went fast. Once it, once it went, it went fast. So. And are you the first in your family? 
I'm the first boy. Uh, apparently, my two older sisters were supposed to be Richard Jr. Um, and then uh, then I came along. So, <laughs> and so an upbringing. Now, when when I picture someone from uh, the Air Force and sort of a convert, I I think of a fairly strict uh, upbringing as far as the church goes. Am I correct in my assumptions? You are very correct. Very uh, military background. <laughs> so, yeah, my dad was extremely strict. That's for sure. Give me an idea what that was like. Well, it, it really was a lot like the military. He learned a lot of discipline in the military. Uh, my dad was kind of a juvenile delinquent, just a little bit of background. Um, apparently, he was uh, told by a judge that you can either go to jail or you can go in the military. And so he went in the military. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and the reason why, like, you know, the, the weird thing is I got a message on uh, – family search i'm actually big into genealogy and uh this guy uh my name of ralston messaged me and he says how are you related to irene ralston and i at first i didn't recognize the name so i had to look it up and then i'm like oh that's my grandma i never met her Mm -hmm. um she died in the 70s i was very young and i never met her and so i said oh that's my grandma and then he said oh i'm your dad's cousin i haven't seen him since he was 15 and so this is just you know three, four years ago, um, I actually did meet him. And uh, it was really nice because my dad, my dad really grew up in a broken home. Um, I don't want to get too far into it. But but at any rate, talking to my dad's cousin, you know, he said, really, my dad kind of grew up as a depression era child. Mm -hmm. And so everybody was poor. Everybody was unsupervised. Everybody was a juvenile delinquent. Everybody smoked like that was just the way they grew up. And so my dad's cousin basically said that he, he understood why dad wanted to get away from New Jersey because all he had was bad memories of New Jersey. Yeah. So, so joining the Air Force shaped him up discipline-wise and then uh, joining the church shaped him up spiritual-wise. And so, you know, my dad was a high school dropout. So I'm very different than he was. You know, I've, I've graduated from college and, and things like that. And so... Um, I try to, I try to, have, you know, I will say I, I did have a little bit of a tough, uh, tough life growing up with my dad. We didn't always get along well. Um, you know, he was a very strict disciplinarian, very physical. And so I've tried to be different with my kids, but, uh, but yeah, it was, it was, it was tough growing up with him, but, but, you know, he had a strong testimony to church and we went to church pretty much every week. And, uh, you know, he he definitely wanted me to serve a mission and, and that sort of thing. So. so what was that decision like to serve a mission? You said South Carolina? Yeah, I was called to South Carolina. I served a third of my mission in Georgia. And uh, that's part so of the same I, mission. I, was that part of the same mission or did you just go rogue and decided that you wanted to go somewhere yeah. else? <laughs> yeah, we, we covered about a, a, the eastern half of Georgia or eastern third of Georgia. I started my mission uh, south of Savannah, um, Fort Jackson. Or Fort Stewart, excuse me. I was at I was at an army base everywhere I went. It felt like so I started at Fort Fort Stewart, Georgia, ended my mission at Augusta. I went to the uh, Masters tournament, and uh, so Billy Casper was there. I don't know if we got any golf fans. Billy just died a few years ago. Um, he was probably in his seventies when I saw him. Um, but uh, I remember I ran into Billy Casper at the at a jazz game five six years ago probably. And I said, hey, I'm sure you don't remember me, but we saw you at the Masters. And he said, 
you missionaries are everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sure we weren't the only ones that stopped him on the golf course, but it was funny. Now, now, what was that experience like? Give me the idea of the years uh, that you served there in the South Carolina mission and, and what was the work like down there? So, you know, I, I got to know the, uh, the, my Bible really well. Um, I would imagine. Our, uh, so it was, I was one of the, I don't want to brag. I'll brag a little bit. Brag it. I was one of the top scriptorians at the mission. Uh, we had to memorize 180 scriptures. Wow. <laughs> wow. They had the first 45 made you a telestial missionary. The next 45 made you a terrestrial missionary. And then you had to do 90 to become a celestial missionary. And they were really good at Bible uh, for Bible bashing. And so I, I did my share. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> that's always that's always the way that people uh, end up getting converted by the way for people that are listening if you can bash hard enough and back them into a corner ultimately what people will do is they'll just say you know what you're right i need to change my faith my beliefs are completely false i'll go ahead and join what you're telling me to do that's how bible bashing always ends if, if anyone's <laughs> curious yeah, yeah, it didn't work out quite that well. But I will tell you what, if you do know your scriptures well, um, I remember I got put in a threesome with a, with two zone leaders for about a week. One of them was going AP, and it was all hush-hush, which mm-hmm. I never understand why yeah. everything has to be hush-hush in the church, but whatever. And um, I can remember these two zone leaders were outstanding missionaries. And um, I remember going to a door and a woman wanted to kind of bash a little bit, but my, my companion um, did it in a non-confrontational way. Mm-hmm. And I remember looking at him and going, dang, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> and so I, I became a lot less confrontational and, and more explanatory. And it was amazing because that does work well. Um, mm-hmm. At first, I just wanted to argue and, you know, arguing doesn't change anybody's hearts. But if you do it in, in an explanatory way, I was just amazed because you could just pull those scriptures out and it was, it was, it was really useful actually. So I would just recommend for any prospective missionaries. I don't know if you have young listeners out there, um, but, uh, but do it in an explanatory way, not in a, in a contentious way. And it is, you can change hearts. It, it's it's really great. It's good to yeah, know all those yeah, yeah. So let me let me not backtrack necessarily, but maybe further explain what I was saying. It's important that you know what you're teaching people. I can remember multiple times serving my mission. I was not as educated, maybe, as I should have been as I went out to serve. Like uh, people that have been longtime listeners of the Cultural Hall will remember I, I shared an experience from the MTC where it finally dawned on me that the Book of Mormon was christ stealing with the people in the americas and i was like do you guys know this do you guys realize that that's what this book is about like it finally dawned on me and everyone else was like yeah that's what how did you not know this particular anyway uh so so i didn't know that much but i remember going out and being in the field and having people tell me things about the church that i had no idea about and then having to study and ponder and figure out how i felt about those things and then be able to teach through those things was was sort of where I was converted, was actually out serving and teaching people. Maybe not the way we should go about it, but certainly the way I went about it. Well, I think all missionaries go out with good intentions, but bad uh, bad skills. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah e- even the greatest, right? There's still so many skills, and depending on where you serve and and, and all that, is it was it the South and, and your, um, your love and learning of the Bible that caused you to become a church history nerd, or where did that come in? 
So when did I become a serious history nerd? So the coolest thing was I got married in about 2000, and I think it was 2001 or so. My sister said, hey, let's go for the Nauvoo Temple open house. And I remember visiting a lot of Community of Christ sites because they're in Nauvoo as well. Mm -hmm. And just falling in love with Nauvoo. Um, I remember my mom told me that um, one of my institute teachers, I went to Weber State, Weber State, great, great, great. Yep. And um, (laughs) bleeding purple. I got you. That's right. So um, one of my institute teachers, who was also a former bishop of mine, um, had written a book about what, in fact, the book was called What Happened to the Family of Joseph Smith. And I was just, I just love this book because I didn't know anything. I didn't know that Emma had gotten remarried after Joseph died. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what happened to her children, really. You know, of course, Joseph Smith III went on to become leader of the RLDS church. And I, I, I probably kind of knew that, but it was just, it was just fascinating. And I think that's really where my love of church history came. And then about... Hey, hang on real quick before we move on. What's the name of that bishop and, the, and, uh, and author of that book? So it's Gerald Johansson. Okay. And uh, it's uh, the funniest thing. I had another institute teacher named Gerald Lund, who is not the general authority, but um, he was a fantastic yeah. teacher as well. The, uh, the but, fortunate uh, or unfortunately named Gerald Lund, who is not the, exactly. uh, the uh, church yeah. apostle. Yeah. So, yeah. So what happened to the family of Joseph Smith, I believe was the title. And it was, it's actually a very short book, especially when you compare it to like rough stone rolling or some of these <laughs> others. <laughs> and so it was really cool. That's, I remember that really got me interested. Um, and then uh, it's probably about 12 years ago that I, I joined the Mormon history association. I started going to Sunstone and I dove in deep. And then I think one of my first Mormon history association meetings was in Independence, Missouri. And I, you know, have you been to Independence? I have, in fact, yeah. Yep. So the coolest thing is is you've got the the Community of Christ Temple in the center. Yeah. And then just south of there, you've got the LDS Visitor Center. Mm -hmm. And then on the corner, you have the RLDS Auditorium, which is kind of their tabernacle. Mm -hmm. And then there's another RLDS church. And then you've got the Temple Lot Church. And then you have the Stone Church, which is the oldest church in Missouri. It was built by Joseph Smith III. Then over here, you've got the um, Remnant Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints headquarters. So you've got like these four churches directly surrounding this, and it's not really a square, but it's like a true temple square. And I've often said it was like Mormon Disneyland. It's so cool. (laughs) But you know, it's it's Disneyland going to church. So I I went to church at the Stone Church. I went to the church at the Temple Lot Church for a few minutes. Of course, they all meet at the same time, so I of couldn't course. So you have to the pick. whole meeting. So you have to pick which one. Yeah, exactly. And then yeah. the there was this one church on the corner, Community of Christ Church, and I got there just as it was ending, and they had guitars and drums, and I was I was like, this is like Holy Roller Mormons. Like <laughs> I I never knew such a thing existed, and so <laughs> it was just really really fun. And actually, down the street about what, three or four blocks, is the um, Cutlerite Church. And they only have about eight members, but that <laughs> church was founded by Alpheus Cutler. Um, I went back two years ago and, and, and got a tour of the church and really wanted to interview them on my podcast, and they didn't. They said no, <laughs> but I talked to the woman for about two hours, and it was just so awesome. <laughs> it, now, was, it was a lot of fun. Now for people that don't know what a cutlerite is, what's where do where do they uh branch off from the the original Joseph 
church. So Alphaeus Cutler, if you look in your Doctrine and Covenants, I don't remember which section, you will see Alphaeus Cutler. He was an early church leader under Joseph Smith. And I believe, I'd have to look at the sign again, I believe it says it was reorganized in 1853. And so basically he, he didn't follow Brigham Young West. You know, the interesting thing is there, well, there's only eight, eight or nine members mm-hmm. left um, in, in the world. <laughs> They're very small. I understand that Alphaeus Cutler was a polygamist, but then when he started his own church, he dropped that. And so supposedly that's kind of a touchy subject with them because hmm. um, they, they don't support polygamy. But the interesting thing about the Cutlerites is they, um, they've just got a, a two-story church, basically. It's a white building, and it, they do baptism. For, they're one of the few groups that does baptism for the dead. And when I talked with, uh, I believe her name was Virginia, I asked about ceilings. They do not do ceilings for the dead, but they do do ceilings for the living. Hmm. And so they are one of the few few groups that actually have an, uh, an endowment like the LDS Church does. In fact, they might be, I won't say they're the only one, but they're one of the only ones that date from Joseph Smith's day. Some of the polygamous <laughs> groups do, um, but this is uh, one of the, one of the few that date from that time, because like Community of Christ, they've got the community, they've got the Kirtland Temple, and then they've got the one in Independence, and those are open buildings. Um, they're open to the public; anybody can go. They're very quiet, reflective buildings, but they don't have any endowment. They, basically, they've rejected the endowment and the sealing ceremony. And so, so the Cutlerites are really interesting. Um, you know, they're very tight-lipped about uh, their temple service, but supposedly it is more similar to the original endowment than the LDS Church's endowment ceremony. So the mainstream, really the Brighamite Church. Yeah. Main, exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. We just got real church nerdy there for a second. I just want you to... We, we did. We... I'm sorry. I can't <laughs> help it. Uh, you know, a, a fascinating um, project idea that I have thought for a million years, and I just don't think that I'm ever going to do it. I wish that someone would um, do a podcast that starts chronologically from the time of uh, either the formation of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or somewhere around there, maybe at the death of of, uh, the Prophet Joseph Smith, and went and did an episode about every single break-off of each of the churches from the time of Joseph Smith. Now, that's a lot. I think it's like 120, 150 plus. It's more like 400. Okay, more like 400. That's a lot of podcast episodes. I'm going to dangle that out there for someone else to do. I thought it'd be a great idea. I think some of them would be far easier than the others, but it is interesting to note because, as you said, kind of going into that, we sort of follow the narrative of like, uh, Joseph Smith was martyred, and then, uh, you know, in, in our mind, I think we kind of create this thing that it's like, and then Brigham Young, a short time afterwards, was called to be the prophet, and we went west. And anyone that didn't follow that, we kind of go, yeah, I wonder what happened to Emma. I wonder what happened to the other folks. And we just kind of follow it here to Utah. There's tons to be learned and gained from that. Oh, uh, there's so much. Uh, I want to take a quick break. I want to come back in the second block, and I want to continue uh, where we're at with Rick Bennett talking about uh, yeah, whatever we want. We're going to talk about whatever we want, and we'll come back and do that in the second block of the Cultural Hall. 
Imagine running a small business today. It's challenging. Imaging and internet presence is an absolute must. Even with that, you're still a small star in a bright cyber universe. Now, imagine you have someone who understands how to get your site designed for your talents and then easily searched by potential clients. Imagine Lennon Design. Whether it's strictly a website or a whole package of logo creation, advertising media, and promotional materials, Lennon Design is your partner in business. They'll test the boundaries of their imagination to create something unique for you. When you need creative, affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801-699-3022 or visit LennonDesign.com. Here in the second block of the Cultural Hall, you guys are missing out. Uh, one of my favorite things that I have loved about the time of the pandemic is that everyone has moved online to Zoom uh, calls, right? All of these interviews and uh, where the money from Patreon that we get, part of that goes to the uh, the ability to be able to do these Zoom calls. All this to say, if you are a Patreon saint of the Cultural Hall, you get to see the many books that are behind Rick Bennett as we have this uh, chat this morning. I'm seeing uh, the first edition of Saints. I'm seeing uh, Richard Turley's Victims. Is that right? And uh, I'm trying to mm-hmm. g- g- glean some of the rest of these. Um, I, my eyes are too blurry. Oh, we got the second transcripts there. Let's see. Blood of the Prophets, Richard Turley, Terrible Revolution, Chris Blythe, Scattering of the Saints. Um, that's John Hamer. He would probably be really good to to do. You know, you talked earlier about uh, all of the saints. In fact, let me just show you a picture that yeah, pe- people that because people that can't see this are loving this. <laughs> yeah, you can't see this, but um, the cover. These are all of not not all of, but these are a lot of the different branches um, of of Mormonism, and so. Um, I know he's got Alpheus Cutler. Uh, down here is Gordon B. Hinckley. So you can see these big dots are the mainstream LDS church, basically. Um, but he's got, uh, oh, I can't even see this here. I'll make uh, I'll, I'll make the cover available for people to see in the show notes so they can see what we're talking about. The name This of the is book a fantastic is book. Scattering of the Saints, Schism Within Mormonism. So we'll, we'll yeah. also provide so a link So this gives you kind well. of a visual. Yeah, it kind of gives you a visual of how many different schisms there are. But this isn't even close. Steve Shields is uh, another guy that I've interviewed, and uh, he uh, he's the one who's documented over 400 um, different all, groups. So. All that to say, Rick, it, are you being pretentious, or have you read all those books behind you? I've read a lot of them. I've read Blood of the Prophets, uh, partly through Victims and Ma- Ma- uh, Ma- Massacre at Mountain Meadows. Uh-huh gospel topic series i've read about half of it but yeah i've i've read a lot of them good 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 <laughs> i buy more books than i can read which is unfortunate we always get these books and we go yeah, you know good intentions i'm gonna set that good intention there on the shelf i'll get there now you have said a, a few things that i just want to ask uh, uh, questions about uh very early on in our discussion today you talked about um how you've never understood why we're hush hush about callings or about different assignments. And I want to take a second and talk about that. I think it's ridiculous. I don't understand it. Like I understand it if like, um, you know, if it's six months out and you're going to be the new bishop, right? Like I can understand that, I guess. I can understand the secrecy behind something like that. Uh, you don't want to undermine the the authority or the ability of that person to do whatever is in their calling. But I have never understood the idea of we're calling you to be a Sunday school teacher. Don't tell anyone until you have been set apart in church on Sunday or, you know, sustained. I, I, I don't get it. I don't understand it. Well, and you know, I know Kurt has mentioned this on his podcast. You mentioned Kurt Frankham, and he has said that 
you know, it's his idea that it's okay to say, hey, we're going to talk to you about a calling, but there's still a lot of this hush-hush, and I don't understand it either. I think it, most of it is really silly. You know, mm-hmm. people speculate. When they, when they know the bishop is moving, they speculate who's going to be the new bishop. And, you know, I was right on this last occasion yeah. uh, in my heart. <laughs> yeah. You know, and further, just because I want to take this as an opportunity to rant, I don't understand, and, and we're starting to be better about it because of technology, because these face-to-face meetings aren't able to happen. Uh, I recently was contacted from a, the bishopric, and they wanted me to do something. And they said, well, we'd love to be able to hop on a Zoom call and be able to chat with you or you know can you ha- can you do a phone call and i was like this text message which we're communicating right now works just fine you know i'm going to do the thing that you ask me to do so send it to me in a text message i'll say yes and we can forget all of this other garbage of setting the time apart and making sure blah 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 blah, blah. just let me know what it is i'll say yes let's move along well you know and it's funny that you mentioned that um because I, I had to get my temple recommend renewed, and so I contacted the bishopric and said, hey, can I get a temple recommend interview? And so my uh, guy in the bishopric was on vacation in San Diego and just mm-hmm. did it over over phone. It was just mm-hmm. a phone call. Asked all the questions, and it worked out fine. And then I tried to do it with the state presidency, and they were like, no, it has to be done in person, and we're not yep. doing anything in person. Yeah. And I was just like, this is so stupid. Yeah. And so I think there is some flexibility with with some people, but other people are like, no, it's tradition that we've always done it this way and yep. we can't change. You know, and I do like, you know, my my niece got baptized six months ago. We had, I think they limited it to 20 people. But, you know, President Nelson, it used to be completely verboten to film a, a baptism. Um, so they, they did do the zoom since I was a close family member, I, I attended in person. Of course, we all wore, wore masks and everything. Um, and so I love that president Nelson is kind of embracing technology. We now have zoom sacrament meeting, another verboten thing. So mm-hmm. thank you, president Nelson for allowing us to some flexibility. It seems like there are still some church leaders who fight against that yeah. and, and aren't very flexible. There are some who are, yeah. um, and it seems like in, in my stake, we've got kind of a mix of, of some who are open to using technology and others who, who fight against it. So I wish we'd just embraced it. Well, and, uh, and, uh, and one step further, and then I want to make sure I ask you about this other thing that I was just curious about, uh, is that we have members, at least in my ward, who are showing up on Zoom that have not ever in the time that I've lived in my ward showed up in person. They're clicking. Now, here's the deal. I can't imagine that they're just clicking so that they show up. I think that they're listening. I think that they're attending. Now, they don't have their video screen on. I don't know what advantage it would gain them to click on it to, you know, give the idea that they're there. So so we are reaching people that we could not reach otherwise by being able to make it a little more convenient, you know, all of these things. I think that the that, that church is going to have at least some struggles as we come out of the pandemic to meeting, you know, regularly, I think that we're going to, we're going to have some problems where people go, yeah, why do we not keep doing this? Why can I not see the, you know, talks from sacrament meeting? If I was on vacation, we, I mean, we know we have the technology to be able to record them. I want to still be a part of this ward. Maybe it's not an every week thing or something like that, but I, I, I just think that 
if we go back to exactly how we were doing it before, not only have we lost a lot, but I think that we'll lose a lot of people as well. Well, yeah, I, I mean, that's an interesting thought. I, I, I never look and see who are the people who, would, who attend a sacrament meeting that, that don't normally. But, you know, I, I agree. I think there's a lot of people the church could reach and they, they turn that off by saying no cameras in sacrament meetings. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other thing I want to ask you is you said you became a m- member of the Mormon History Association. Uh, where do I pay my dues? Do I get a patch? And is there a summer camp? Is, is, <laughs> is that a thing that anybody can be a part of? What? How does that whole thing work? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, they typically meet in June. Um, usually about every two or three years they meet in Utah because that's where the majority of the members are. But they, they try to travel around last, um, this past June, it was supposed to be in uh, Palmyra, but it ended up going virtual because, uh, because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So I actually interviewed, or uh, Barbara Jones-Brown is the executive director for the Mormon History Association, and she asked me to film uh, an interview she did with Richard Turley, who had just recently retired. He's a Used to be the oh, I know who be, he is. He's been yeah. he's been here in the cultural hall. You don't have to oh, has you don't have oh, to wow. church you don't have to church explain to me who these people okay. are. <laughs> so anyway, I filmed that and I'm going to be re- re-releasing that on my my podcast here in about a month or so. So I can't remember where it's supposed to be next year. I think next year they're trying to get it back in Palmyra, hmm. um, but they usually have it in Salt Lake every two or three years. Um, for convenience, but they also try to hit other other sites. But yeah, to register mormonhistoryassociation.org, you can sign up to be a member. Um, they'll send you, if you sign up, uh, they've got a, a quarterly magazine, basically, that has a lot of very scholarly articles that'll whet your appetite. But, you know, the, the funnest thing is to do the in-person meetings, um, because you know, there's there's three meetings that I typically try to go to. Uh, Mormon History Association, by far, is the best scholarly the one you'll you'll see. John Whitmer is probably a close second. Um, I went to my first one. That was also in Palmyra two years ago, so that was fun. Sunstone is the third. You know, Sunstone. I like Sunstone a lot. Um, you'll get a lot of scholarly people there. You'll get a lot of non-scholarly people there. Mm-hmm. You'll get um, people who love the church. You'll get people who hate the church. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's a little bit more of a mixed bag. I'm usually a little bit more um, picky about who I go to see. But, you know, like Matt Harris goes to Sunstone, Newell Bringhurst, Brian Hales has been to Sunstone. So you'll get some some fantastic people there. And you'll also get some people that have a bone to pick and I usually yeah. try to avoid those. Yeah, it, it, I mean, some of those things can be pretty interesting, right? I, I I will check in on some of those and be like, what are they saying? How do I feel about what they're saying? Okay, you know, like I, I because I listen to what someone has uh, against the church or whatever, I don't feel like I have to be like, you're right. I'm going to take up that that fight as well. I can just be like, oh, that's the that's the path. That's the journey that they're on. That's the feeling that they have about that thing. I don't feel that way, and you know, I love them just the same. But I I do. I I I will occasionally jump in on one of those things and and just be like, what do I think? Oh no, I don't feel this way at all. I don't feel that way at all. You'll get some weird stuff. Like I, I did, I did attend one uh, that was a stripper that attended gospel principles class and she was going to get a temple recommend. Hmm. And you just kind of raise your eyebrows and go, wow, that's kind of a unusual lifestyle. Well, Um, and I've presented at uh, Sunstone a couple of times, Rick Bennett. 
and it's been oh. uh, yeah, it's been it's been sort of a, for, a fun time. I you're gonna know her name, and I'm not gonna be able to think of it off the top of my head. But um, one of the women, one of the women that was um, excommunicated as part of the September Six, who has continued to go to Maxine church. Maxine Hanks. Uh, Margaret Toscano. No, give me the the woman. Uh, Janice Allred. No. Um, Ooh, look at you. Let's see here. Uh, Levina Fielding Anderson. That's who it was. Levina. Yeah. Levina and I were on a panel of uh, people that um, were excommunicated and continued to go to church. Now, I have since rejoined the church, but it was an interesting panel. Uh, I could have just listened to her talk for an hour. And, Levina and actually, is amazing. Yeah. yeah. And actually just did, as it, as, it, as it comes down, the panel was scheduled to be an hour and 20 minutes long. Everyone that was on the panel, there were four of us. I don't remember the other individuals. Everyone took about 30 minutes. And so by the time it got to me, I just said, I've had a similar experience. Thank you for coming to this session of Sunstone. And everyone was like, oh, aren't you going to share more? And I was like, there's not time. We, we, didn't have, we didn't have any time to do this thing. So it goes. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so let me ask you this. Now, all that stuff sort of aside, um, you do a podcast called Gospel Tangents. Uh, I did a little research into why you call it that, and I thought that was fun. Why don't you share that? <laughs> so back in college, um, you know, we had, uh, I had some friends and they were trying to decide if Adam had a belly button. <laughs> and um, one of them made a, made a comment um, that this, this was the gospel tangents class. Um, so the funny thing was, is I, number one, I didn't realize that that was kind of an indirect um, conversation about the Adam God doctrine. Uh, mm-hmm. I just thought it was an interesting thing about whether Adam really had a belly button. Where do you um, where do you land before we go any further? Adam had a belly button, yay nay. I think he probably did. Okay, all right. Anyway, go ahead. So, so anyway, so that's that's kind of where the name came from. You know, the gospel tangents class, the class out in the hall that everybody likes to join. That you talk about all the stuff that they don't talk about in Sunday school. And so, uh, so that's where I got the name. And uh, and it was interesting to, to find out later that that was an Adam God conversation that I had no idea. I didn't think to do with Adam God. So. <laughs> so, so within Gospel Tangents, it sounds like you'll talk about essentially anything. Is there stuff that you won't talk about? Um, I won't talk about the temple ceremony, but but pretty much everything else is, is, is fair game. So, um, you know, I, I like to talk to fundamentalists. I like to talk to ex-Mormons. I love to talk to BYU professors. In fact, I have Christopher Blythe, Dr. Christopher Blythe from BYU on right now. And... Um, and so, you know, I love to talk to all the different uh, restoration groups. And I'm just, just, you know, I am a Mormon history nerd. Uh, I love, you know, the Mark Hoffman bombings, mm-hmm. Mount Meadows Massacre. Hopefully not polygamy. the bombings or the massacre, but I understand what you're saying. Learning yeah, I, I love things. learning about yes. it. I, I don't, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so pretty much, yeah, every, anything non-temple related is, is, is fair game and, uh, I, I just love to, to learn all about the restoration and not just Mormons, but, you know, Cutlerites and Strangites and Bickertonites and, and, and everything. And I really try to, to talk to the best Mormon scholars. So I'll talk to Dan Vogel. Um, I'll talk to well, Richard Bushman told me no, which I'm so yeah. sad about. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, Richard Bennett, um, <laughs> my, my name twin, just everybody. I, I need to get Terrell Givens on, uh, I mean, he's got a book on Parley P. Pratt that I want to talk about. And, and uh, you know, Matt Harris, just 
all the best ones. And I meet, I usually meet them at Mormon History Association. So that's, if, if you guys want to meet these people, they're always friendly, um, always nice. And Mormon History Association's great. Sunstone's great. John Whitmer's great. So Now, a, a curious question that I have about, and I understand why you wouldn't talk, talk about the temple ceremony itself, right? Because of its sacredness. But there is so much history within uh, the temple ceremony or the temple rites that we could technically talk about um, without, you know, sort of breaching any sort of covenant or anything like that. You're just like, I just want to stay away from it altogether. So, you know, it's, it's been funny. I've had a few, um, I remember one interview I was asking about the second anointing, mm-hmm. which is super hush hush. Yeah. My, which everyone just went. <laughs> yeah. And my, my, my guess, it was funny because um, he just stopped me cold and he goes, um, you're going to have to edit this because we are not talking about that. Mm. <laughs> and it was funny because it co- totally um, just like killed my train of thought and everything. And it was funny because we did when I, I had to ch- take a break to change my battery and my camera. And so we were talking off camera and then he was talking about exactly what I wanted to talk about. And he mm-hmm. says, well, I will talk about it. If you don't use the word second anointing, we'll talk about it in the context of these other theological terms. Mm-hmm. And so we did, we did talk about it, not in a way that didn't, that referenced the second anointing. Um, I have had a few, um, three, I can think of three people that actually four, now that I think about it, that have kind of wanted to talk about the second anointing. And so, you know, I'll talk about it peripherally, mm-hmm. but, mm-hmm. um, you know, there have been, I, I will just say this, if you want to know what the second anointing is all about, there are podcasts out there that talk about it explicitly. Mm-hmm. I won't, I won't name them, but they are on the internet. Um, but you know, I'm a, I'm a good church member and I, I'm not trying to, I don't want to get in trouble with the church. <laughs> right. Which, <laughs> and which, so, which is actually where my next question was going because of the tangents, because of this, I, what you call sort of the uh, tangents in the hallway, I always like to call the Mormon bar talk where we, you know, if you imagine a bunch of members of the church hanging out in a bar, obviously there's not alcohol at the bar, everyone calm down, but it's that sort of talk where, you know, like you'd hear in a regular bar, it's like, could Superman take on the Hulk and who would win and that kind of stuff. We kind of go, yeah, does Adam have a belly button? Discuss. And we, you know, we come with all of our evidence and the reason why we feel that way. I always call that Mormon bar talk. Well, you know, and it, it, it's the opportunity to talk about all the stuff that you can't talk about at church, you know, mm-hmm. so we can get into all the, the details of the, the Mormon, the Mountain Meadows Massacre. Um, we can get into the Bear River Massacre. That's that's an interview I have coming up. Um, are you talking they, with uh, very few people? No. Are you Darren talking with Aaron Perry? Yeah. And then um, so you can talk about Adam God, which you can't talk about that in Sunday school class. And so, sure. well, you, know, you really, can. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can if you want to get, I don't know, if you want to get kicked out of church. Anything is anything is possible, Rick, yeah. whether or not you should. Should yeah. and, and can, that's two different things. And so, um, you know, it is, it is, for me, it's just fun to talk about all this stuff that, that people don't know about. Um, and so I do, I do think of it as the extended Sunday school class um, where you can talk about all the stuff, all the non-correlated stuff. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you get worried about it, though? Or have you ever had anyone from the church or a church leader say, hey, Rick, what is this? I heard that this or we, you know, we got this thing. Anything, anything like that? Uh, not with my podcast. I haven't heard anything. You know, my my thought is 
I do get this question a lot from from listeners. You know, are you worried about getting in trouble with the church? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, I there's the one topic, you know, the temple. I, I I do try to avoid. You know, we'll, I'll talk about it on periphery, but but I'm not going to get into detail. Sure. Um, but uh, but I, I'm going to talk about everything else. And so you know, I know if you, if we look at people who've gotten in trouble, Bill Real, John Delin, you know, I don't think either one of them got in trouble. Uh, until they became an activist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I am not an activist. You know, I'll talk about LGBT issues, but I'm not going to be like, the church needs to change on mm-hmm. gay marriage and they need to solemnize gay marriages in the temple. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. You know, that's, that's not my thing. I'll, I'll talk to Greg Prince. I'll talk to Taylor Petrie about those issues. They, you know, we'll get a historical perspective. And I don't, I, don't, I don't think, I mean, even Will Bagley of all people said, you know, Mormons aren't Mormons because of church history. Mm. Mm. Uh, you know, so church history in and of itself, I think is fine. It's when you get into the realm of activism, the church needs to change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's when I think you run into trouble. And so I've, I've really, plus it's not my nature to be an activist. I'm not going to be on a picket line. I'm mm-hmm. not going to you know, go protest on Temple Square. It, it, it's not my nature. Sure. But I'll, I'll, I will talk about the protesters at Temple Square. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, will, I will talk to John DeLynn or, or, you know, Bill Real or whoever, if they have something, you know, important to say. But um, I'm, I'm not an activist. And I, I think, at least that's my hope, that that will keep me out of hot water. Yeah, I like the discussion around a lot of those things, because I think that we do ourselves a great disservice if we don't talk about them, um, that we don't have discussions, we don't open the conversation. And I think for some, in some way, go with me for a minute, Rick, that uh, having the conversation is a mild form of activism. And it's a way that I feel like I can get behind it, right? I don't know that I can change the, the church as a whole, but I know that the conversations like what you and I are having today and other conversations that I've had allow people to think, allow people to ponder about things, allow people to question and become more devoted or more dedicated in their testimonies, all of those things that we can't have if we don't have these conversations at all. Yeah. I mean, if anything, I'm a slacktivist. I'm I'm not an activist. (laughs) I'm a slacker activist, I guess, if anything. And, and I, I I think it is important, you know, Kurt Franken, when we, when I talked to him, he said, we must have these difficult conversations, you know? And, and so I think my podcast is a place to talk about, about those things, whether whether women should be ordained, but I'm not advocating that women should be ordained. But I think it's an important conversation to have. Sure. I want to take another break. When we come back in the third block, I want to pick up some other pieces from the discussion that we've had. And we have three questions that we ask everyone who steps into the cultural hall. I will ask those of you, and then we'll put a nice little bow on this whole thing. We'll come back and do that in the third block of the cultural hall. <laughs> Let me take a brief moment to tell you about Best DJ in Utah. It's bestdjinutah.com. In addition to doing this here show, I often find myself playing music for uh, company parties or uh, for you know community events. You can also find me playing music for weddings. And the way that you get in touch with me, if you would like to have me at your wedding bestdjinutah.com. I've done several for Friends of the Hall, uh, those lifers or converts who listen to the show and think, man, he does great there on the show. I'd love to have him DJ the wedding. Uh, It's bestdjinutah.com. Now, you're thinking, bestdjinutah.com, did he just buy the domain and that's it? Well, kind of, but also I am the highest and most reviewed DJ in the state of Utah. How about that? 
bestdjinutah.com. Hey, this is Dan, the Laptop Man from PC Laptops. Friends, I know a lot of you guys and girls are working from home. So here's some tips for making sure your computer is ready for working at home, because if your computer fails, it's going to be really hard to get it fixed because of dwindling supply and parts. But we have parts right now, and we have a limited supply of new computers available for you. Make sure your computer is healthy and virus and malware free. Hackers are trying to infect people and stealing their information during these challenging times. We'll scan the health of your computer for viruses and malware, plus scan your hard drive, memory, and components to make sure you don't have any failing parts. You want to make sure you have strong antivirus and malware protection software as well. Just get into any PC laptops and we'll check your hardware and your software and scan your computer for viruses for absolutely free. Just go to PCLaptops.com. At PC Laptops, we've been serving you for over 28 years, and we've got your back during these times of need. We're all in this together. So just go to PCLaptops.com, and we'll get you taken care of. Here in the third block of the Cultural Hall, don't forget, there is that Facebook group, the Cultural Hall Back Row. It's a bunch of uh, Cultural Hall nerds. That's basically what that group is. You don't have to pay anything to be a part of it. It's just a hundred plus people hanging out and talking about the Cultural Hall, Uh, maybe side tangents. That's like the gospel tangents of the Cultural Hall, a place for you to talk if we talked about uh, one historian, for example. Uh, People will post in that group and have a discussion around who that person is or if they've read the book or did you get the copy of that book or all the things it's a a great little supplement to the cultural hall find it on facebook it's the cultural hall back row you have to be admitted but that's it doesn't cost you anything fine check it out and join the discussion now rick uh i need to ask you what i always love and i love to save to the end have you ever actually listened to an episode of the cultural hall before (laughs) yes i've been listening lately oh nice (laughs) ever ever since we talked and i said hey why don't you come on is that what brought you to start listening to it i was like well i better find out what the cultural hall is all about nice and your thoughts from one podcaster to another so it's interesting you guys you're you're very uh you have much more variety than i do i'm i'm strictly you know mormon history science and theology and you you do more news and current events and that sort mm-hmm. of a thing so mm-hmm. so that's been kind of interesting to to check it out yeah uh so we've been around i think you started gospel tangents in 2011 not the podcast but that was some sort of project with your kid as i gleaned from the internet yeah so um I, so my kids were very young. Um, I think they were seven and nine, if I remember right. And um, they didn't know some of the, the common Book of Mormon stories. And uh-huh. I, was, I was sad that they didn't know that. And so I was like, hey, let's make a little uh, book of some of the Book of Mormon stories. And so, um, so they were like, oh, well, we could sell it. And I'm like, nobody's going to buy this. Are you kidding me? But Anyway, so I so I had them, and they're like stick figures. They're they're terrible, but you know they were seven and nine. That's what they do. Uh-huh. And so since Brandon wanted to sell it, I was like, okay, well, what the and heck? Brandon well, is your I was, son, I presume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's he's eighteen now, but uh, he uh, he said, well, we could sell it. So I just threw it up on Amazon just to see if anybody would buy it. And I wish I and I only sold it for a dollar. <laughs> and I was shocked that people were buying this. <laughs> so, so I was like, well, let's do a Doctrine and Covenants. Let's do a Pearl of Great Price. Let's do a Bible. <laughs> and for the Bible, I was like, well, the Bible, you know, that's going to be, you know, whole Christianity. So I'll sell that one for $3. <laughs> <laughs> and so it did. It is sold. And, and so that's where I got the name Gospel Tangents. Um, podcast didn't start till about 2017. And, uh, so yeah, that's that's where it all started. So 
and already 300 plus episodes uh, as I look at it, right? And yeah, just, 400 plus. Yeah, jeez, yeah. jeez. Too much. You're doing too I'm, much. I'm catching up to you. You make the rest <laughs> of us look bad. That's what you do, Rick. No, you do you do a great job. And I encourage people. There will be a link to that in the in the show notes here so people can check out uh, Gospel Tangents. How does your family feel about it? I'm curious. Do they, is it, is it, this is dad's project or, you know, husband's project or are they sort of involved in it as well? So, you know, when I only had one camera and it didn't have a flip screen, um, my kids, I would have them shoot me for my intros and, and outros. And so I remember it was funny because I didn't think they were really listening. And, I, you know, Paul Reeve has that uh, book, Religion of a Different Color. And back in the day, back in the 19th century, people thought Mormons were a different race. Mm. Now, they obviously defined race differently than we do today. But, uh, but yeah, they had defined that people were a different race. And I didn't think my kids were paying any attention to that. And then Brandon one day said something about Mormons being a race. I go, Mormons aren't a race. He goes, yeah, remember that interview with Paul Reeve? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh, you are listening. But anyway, so they kind of helped out. I've finally gotten a camera with a flip screen. And so I don't need them to, to shoot me anymore. But they do pay attention more than I think sometimes. But for the most part, they really couldn't care less. It's just dad's weird hobby. Fun though, huh? What about your wife? Oh, she's not a fan at all. <laughs> <laughs> is it is it that old thing? I wonder. Because for people who don't know, and I and I can't imagine that they wouldn't know, but you were probably spending what ten hours a week, maybe dedicated to something like this. Oh, more than that, probably, probably more like twenty. <laughs> right. That that's a lot of time. And so, yeah. so so spouses, the most loving and supporting, supportive, which I know both of ours are. Like it, it is a commitment and a half to doing something like this. And oftentimes, not for a whole lot of money or any money in some cases and so right. it, we become sort of uh, or we make them sort of widows podcast widows or you know youtube widows and uh, it's just fun it's fun to hear that i'm not alone in that <laughs> well i'm glad I, i'm glad to hear we have uh, similar things with our lives <laughs> Now, as you know, probably from listening, there are three questions that we ask everyone who steps into the cultural hall. So I will ask those of you right now. The first question is, do you have a calling, sir? And if so, what is it? Yes, I am the, I don't know the official title, but I do family history in my ward. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of a family history coordinator. And uh, it's, it's you know, it's family history, church history. They're, they're pretty related. So I love yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have your four generations back or whatever that thing was that we tried to do years ago? Yeah, so it's been a little harder with my dad. I do have four generations on his side, uh, but that's about where it stops. I'm stuck in Philadelphia. I can't mm. get out of Philadelphia. Um, don't don't know what happened. I found a bankruptcy record for Abel Bennett in 1767 or something, and I, I can't get beyond that. So. You know what that means, don't you? What? You got to go on a vacation to Philadelphia. It's a family history <laughs> vacation. It's it's not that you want to. It's not that you want to. You just have to. That's how you yeah. you justify something like that. Gorgeous yeah. city. You should think about it. If you I could, should. if you could pick a calling for yourself, either one that exists or make one up, what would you pick? Probably gospel doctrine. Uh, I've done that before. Um, I had powerpoints and I really got into it. But I, I think uh, maybe I overdid it. And I, I don't know if I'll ever have that calling again. But that, that's my favorite. So 
there's a handout and assigned reading and follow up. Oh, I didn't. I didn't have any assigned readings, but I, but I did have I did have PowerPoint presentations. I still have them somewhere. Let me check them out. But. That's awesome. That's great. And it's weird because I always got Old Testament. Like I, I've done it twice, and I always get Old Testament, which yeah. everybody hates. But now I know the Old Testament, and I'm like, and now I have PowerPoint, so I can I can I can do that again. So. Yeah, I struggled my way through the Old Testament. I I liked it. I liked it well enough, but I feel like I would have been better suited to have done any of the other as a gospel doctrine teacher. And there was one great woman in the class and hopefully everyone has a woman like this or a man like this where they know everything. And so you can just be like, right, sister <laughs> Richards. Is that correct? See, I don't, see I'm probably that guy ah. and I don't think they want to they care what I'm saying. They're, they're <laughs> just like, shut up. Go, yeah. don't come. You get <laughs> now, Rick, you get five times to comment during this class today. So use them wisely because you only get five. <laughs> Uh, the last question we ask everyone, and you can interpret this however you would like, uh, but the question remains is, what is your favorite part of your faith? Church history, without a question. <laughs> you know, but that, you know, church history kind of encompasses everything. It encompasses temple work, you know, history of temples. Um, I, I really enjoy the temple. Um, I enjoy the scriptures. I enjoy the Book of Mormon. But, you know, my my bread and butter is is church history. I just love to learn everything I can to learn about church history and uh that's that's why i have my podcast so and i and i like to share <laughs> i yeah. like to share with people i appreciate you uh sharing the time that you have with us today i hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body that if you're not healthy enough to listen this week that you'll be healthy enough to listen next week and that when the time comes you'll be able to travel home in safety in the meantime we'll be saving a seat for you on the back row of the cultural hall save me a seat it's sure to be neat on the back row we really gotta go on the cultural hall show